This is a podcast from the Business Times. Singapore shares started the week in the red. The Straits Times index was down 1.2% at the open and shed 1.4% to close at 3,248 points. On Tuesday, Singapore shares edged up, tracking gains in the US and Europe markets. The STI climbed 0.1% at the open but fell 0.5% to close at 3,233 points. At the midweek, Singapore shares opened lower, tracking losses in regional indices. The STI dipped 0.4% and closed in the red. The STI retreated 0.6% to 3,214 points. And on Thursday, Singapore shares started trading in negative territory following news that July's non-oil domestic export figures slid 20.2% year-on-year to mark the 10th straight month of decline. The decline was steeper than June's contraction and surpassed forecasts by economists polled by Bloomberg. The STI shed 0.7% at the open and ended down 0.5% at 3,196.75 points. It's Friday, August 18th. Welcome to Market Focus, a weekly look at market drivers and movements from the Business Times. In for Clarissa Montero, I'm Janice Tan. Singapore shares fell at the opening bell, tracking tumbles in the US and Europe. The STI opened 0.7% lower to 3,175.12 points. Here's Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX Securities, with his overview of the trading week. For the week, the big global stock benchmarks have continued to be on the move, booking declines pretty much across the globe. And just to take you through the symmetrics of what we've seen over the past five weeks or so, back on the 13th of July, the STI broke above 3,200 and the momentum over the following 13 sessions took the benchmark to just eight points shy of 3,400 on the last session of July. Retracement of those gains over the following 11 sessions saw the STI once again trade below 3,200 on Wednesday the 16th of August. By comparison, in Singapore dollar terms, the STI's upward leg corresponded with a 2% gain in the S&P 500 and a 5% gain in the FTSE China A50 index. And the STI's following downward leg coincided with a 2% decline in the S&P 500 and a 5% decline for the FTSE China A50 index. So global benchmarks set the tone for the STI and seem to be very much that price action of buy the rumour, sell the fact. In the US, 10-year US Treasury yields and the US dollar repriced this week some of the upside risk to inflation. So that saw US Treasury yields up from 4.15% to 4.26% as of the Friday morning session. Over the week, the US dollar index is also up from 102.80 to 103.30. Looking ahead, there are three FOMCs remaining before the end of the year, before which we're going to have the Jackson Hole Symposium scheduled for August 24 to 26. So that's a Thursday night through to the Saturday next week. The theme for this year's symposium is structural shifts in the global economy. Expectations that the Fed funds rate could be 25 basis point higher by the third FOMC, that is the 13th of December FOMC, those expectations have crept higher this week from 25% to near 40%. And we saw the most recent FOMC minutes that were released this week showed participants cited upside risks to inflation. This included recent supply chain improvements and favourable commodity price trends that don't continue or 
aggregate demand fails to slow by an amount sufficient to restore price stability over time. Now, either of those two scenarios could lead to persistent elevated inflation or, quote, an unanchoring of inflation expectations. So looking at the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation, the US PCE core deflator, it's currently at 4.1%. It's next due on the 31st of August. And then we have the US CPI, which is currently 3.2% next due on the 13th of September. On the aggregate demand front, the second quarter earnings in the US, they were overall better than expected, or as we say, less than feared these days. Refinitiv maintained that over 90% of US stocks have reported for this earnings season, and there has been double the amount of stocks that beat earnings versus those that missed earnings. Coming back to the region, in China this week, the FTSE China A50 index declined close to 2%, while from a sector viewpoint, declines were broad, with the Hang Seng Properties Index down 4% over the first four sessions of the week and the Hang Seng Tech Index down 2% over the first four sessions of the week. The declines were in line with macro reports that indicated further growth deceleration, in addition to country garden developments providing new insight into the state of the downturn in China property. The FTSE China A50 futures are used by international institutions, including hedge funds, to maintain exposure or hedge exposure to the China market. The current August contract has seen trading volumes up a notch from July and June, yet total open interest on the benchmark futures for the international investors are down around 15% in recent weeks, suggesting some curbing of longer-term positions. The Lion Global OCBC Securities Hang Seng Tech ETF which has been the most traded ETF uh, so far this week and pretty much for the year. Most trading was conducted at 70 Singapore cents this week versus 73 Singapore cents last week. Looking at the PBOC, they have made some accommodative policy adjustments this week as well. The PBOC used multiple policy instruments to achieve multiple intermediate targets rather than one streamlined rate as we see in the U.S., On the 15th of August, the one-year medium-term lending facility rate was reduced by 15 basis points to 2.5%. This is the main rate with the mid-term maturity that the PBOC lends to banks with a wider span of collateral being able to be pledged, and the cut was designed to support loan growth. The PBOC also cut the seven-day reverse repo rate by 10 basis points to 1.8%, to provide more liquidity to the banks on a short-term basis. Come Monday morning, 9.15am Singapore time, the one-year loan prime rate and five-year loan prime rate are due and expected to also be cut. The five-year loan prime rate provides a reference rate for longer-term lending for both home buyers and companies and is currently at 4.2%. Now that is expected on Monday morning to be reduced to 4.05%. For context, the five-year loan prime rate was at 4.65% back in December 2021 and was at 4.85% following the rate's revamp back in 2019. Multiple analysts also expect at least one 25 basis point cut in China Bank's reserve requirement ratios in the second half of this year, and that helps to increase the long-term liquidity in the China banking sector. So these moves by the PBOC have been providing monetary policy, supportive, accommodative, stimulus, if you will, and it has seen the renminbi further weaken to the US dollar, 
retesting November 2022 lows this week. Megan Chia joins us. Megan, give us your take of the week's highlights. Asian markets were largely in the red in the last five trading sessions ended Thursday. The Straits Times Index was down 3.8%, while the FTSE Bursa Malaysia KLCI dropped 0.8%. Japan's Nikkei 225 was down 1.8%. South Korea's Kospi Composite Index declined 3.3% over four sessions, having taken a Tuesday break to observe the country's National Liberation Day. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index sank 4.8% across five sessions. China markets were rattled early in the week as private real estate developer Country Garden, a constituent on the Hang Seng, warned it missed bond payments and could see billions of dollars in losses. Its shares dropped 26% over the last five days after an 18.4% plunge on Monday. Across the Pacific, Wall Street stocks tumbled as investors scrutinized the July Federal Open Market Committee minutes that came out on Wednesday, which highlighted that some policymakers felt raising rates then was premature. The committee also appeared to prioritize the battle against inflation, leaving investors uncertain about the outlook for interest rates. After the minutes were released, the Dow Jones average ended down 0.5%, and the S&P 500 fell 0.8%, while the Nasdaq retreated 1.2%. Back home, Singapore counters continued to move with the release of more financial results. Local boss the Singapore Exchange, was among companies that announced their earnings this week. On Thursday morning, it posted a second-half net profit of 286.3 million Singapore dollars, up 23.1% from the corresponding year-ago period. The group's shares slid 0.7% across the five trading sessions. Meanwhile, Food Solutions and Gateway Services Group SETS saw its shares fall 5.9% across the five days as it widened its H1 net loss to 29.9 million Singapore dollars. The higher losses were attributed to one-off costs related to the integration of worldwide flight services. An air cargo logistics business sets finished acquiring in April this year. Local economic data this week showed that Singapore's non-oil domestic exports contracted 20.2% on-year in July, marking the 10th straight month of declines. This surpassed the median 14.3% drop forecasted by economists in a Bloomberg poll. Market watchers that spoke to the Business Times believe more drops are on the way in the near term. Next week, Singapore will report its Consumer Price Index for July, with inflation tipped to moderate further in the second half of the year. Still to come, economic data and highlighted stocks of the week. Lens on Singapore, a monthly podcast series from the Business Times podcast team on current affairs, societal issues and government policies explored through the lens of how it impacts us here in Singapore and in the region, anchored by Clarissa Montero and Howie Lim, every third Monday of the month. And now, back to market focus from the Business Times. Jeff, could you highlight the most notable news for the week, please? Singapore's non-oil domestic exports contracted by 20% in July. That extended the 16% decline we saw in June. The consecutive year-on-year contractions is now 10 months. At a country level, the largest contributors to the decline in July year-on-year were Europe, Taiwan and China. The non-electronic Nodex contracted by 19% in July, that extended a 16% decline in the previous month, while the electronics Nodex contracted by 26% in July, extending a 16% decline in the previous month. 
There was, however, little reaction by Singapore's most traded semiconductor and hardware-related stocks in the first 30 minutes to the first hour post those results when they were released yesterday. That segment of the market was pretty mixed this week and led in terms of gains by Franken Group and really focus remains on outlooks. And this was very much exemplified this week with Franken Group. Franken Group, before the Monday opened, reported a 10% year-on-year decline in revenue and 54% decline in its attributable profit for the first half of this year. That Monday session saw Franken decline one cent to 82 cents per share. But the following day, on the 15th of August, UOB Kyan raised its target price on Franken by 28% to $1. It upgraded the stock to buy on the outlook for the earnings cycle, which they see is approaching a trough, noting improvement in earnings quality where the medical and analytical and life sciences segment could see more contributions. The analyst also added that Franken has a diverse stream of revenue sources which could help the company remain resilient amid a volatile macro environment. That upgrade and the upward revision by UOB Kyan saw Franken end the 15th of August at 94 cents. It was trading on Friday morning at 98 and a half cents and the stock does rank among our top 40 most traded stocks by trading turnover so far this year. Apart from the NOTX, in more buoyant news, Singapore's international visitor arrivals climbed to 1.42 million in July from 1.13 million in June, driven by twice as many Chinese travellers in July versus June. Okay, Jeff, on to some fun. I'm going to say the name of a stock. Let's see if you can give me an update on it. All right, Janice, let's go for it. Jeff, let's start with Comfort Delgro. This week, Comfort Delgro posted, uh, I think it was Monday, a 32% year-on-year fall in its first half net profit, which came into close to 80 million Sing dollars. That was largely due to higher operating costs and the absence of a one-off disposal gain. The group still did raise its dividend payout ratio to a minimum of 70% from 50% to reward the shareholders. Hey, Megan, give it a go. All right, Jeff, what do you have on UMS? A lot of insight this week, Megan. I would encourage investors to actually look at what Andy and the UMS team had to say in their outlook. So you can find that on the UMS Investor Relations page or the SGX Net page and see what uh, Andy had to say about uh, the outlook for UMS and the semiconductor industry going into 2024. But the company itself did record a 42% year-on-year drop in its second quarter net profit, which I think was 11.6 million Sing. And that was attributed to the decrease in the weaker performances in its semiconductor segment, as well as its other's business segment that includes the manufacture of water disinfection systems. Jeff, how about Wilma International? Yeah, so so this was this was after the close last week when Wilma reported its net profit of around five hundred and fifty million US dollars for its first half. That compared to that record that it lodged last year for its first half, and that record last year was one point one six billion US dollars. The revenue for the first half of this year declined ten percent year on year. And that was attributed to prices of most commodities decreasing, and that was partially offset by higher sales volume. The week we also saw Wilmar International Chairman and the CEO, Mr. Kwok, increase his deemed interest in the agribusiness, and I'll discuss much more of that in the BT on Monday in the Inside Insights column. 
Shall we say Emperador? Emperador is not the most recent stock to join the STI. That's in fact Citrium, but Emperador did join last year, soon after its successful secondary listing on Singapore Exchange. The stock posted at the end of last week its first half numbers. It saw an 11% climb in revenue to 31 billion pesos, which translates to about 740 million Sing dollars. Uh, and that was due to its stellar whiskey performance. Actually, Jeff, how about let's bring this back to you the Singapore Exchange. Yes, Singapore Exchange reported net profit of 286 million for the second half of its financial year. That was up 23% year on year. Bottom line improvement came on the back of higher operating revenue driven by growth in currencies and commodities. Jeff, we have to do Capital and Ascenders REIT. Okay, uh, Capital and Ascenders REIT, it has acquired a high specification tier three co-location data center that's in the northwest of London. The purchase price was around 125 million pounds sterling, which is around 210 sing dollars. On Thursday, the manager of Capital Anna Center Street said it had utilized 130 million sing dollars thereabouts, or 26% of its gross proceeds from its private placement that was closed in May to partially fund the acquisition. All right, last one Marco Polo Marine. Yeah, uh, uh, thank you. Good one to end on. Uh, Marco Polo Marine posted a 47% year-on-year rise in gross profit to 14 million Sing for its third quarter of its financial year, which ended in June. So Marco Polo Marine's FY, uh, unlike the majority of companies here that have their FY ending in December, the FY for Marco Polo Marine does end in September. So uh, its third quarter uh, rise in gross profit, which as I said, was close to 50%, was supported by improvements in the operational performance for both its ship chartering as well as its shipyard segments. And we have some more in our key content series on Marco Polo Marine on being distributed uh, pretty much as we speak. Thanks to Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX Securities and Megan Chia from the Business Times News Desk. I'm Janice Tan, in for Clarissa Montero. This has been Market Focus from the Business Times. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.